Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I am your host, Alan Waima. Today I'm with a, well, somewhat of another fellow Asian out, out here. Uh, it's actually, I forgot how to pronounce your name. So I know it's Tyler. Is it Schuchert? Schuchert. Schuchert. Yeah, it's Schuchert. usually like German. Yeah, Schuchert. Okay, Tyler Schuchert, mm-hmm. who is uh, a, let's see, who is the, well, I don't know if you, I could say the, but you are a DevRel, so yep, developer yep. relations. I don't know, we call it expert or what? This is called DevRel at DevRel is uh, just DevRel at Superbase. <laughs> DevRel at Superbase. Yeah. Uh, we were just kind of catching up about how I basically spam the hell out of their Discord channel <laughs> to try to find some people. And uh, Tyler was lucky enough. Well, I was lucky enough to get in touch with you from somebody else, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I said, you know, I got the Flying Heart Flutter podcast. We want to get somebody from Superbase on to talk about, you know, what is Superbase because it's just overshadowed by Firebase. And I wanted people to know about it. So I'm kind of a really a big proponent of like, okay, yeah, we got Flutter, but what about like React Native? Maybe we should have somebody on here to talk about that. So we had somebody on the past talk about that. But Superbase is doing really interesting stuff. Like that's the one thing I have to say is... They're doing really cool stuff, and I think this is a great chance for you to talk about why people should take a look at Superbase and what you guys are up to and what makes you guys different than, say, AppRite and definitely Firebase. So maybe mm-hmm. you can go ahead and just start off by introducing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Alan. So again, I'm Tyler, and I work as a DevRel at Superbase, and especially on the Flutter or Dart and Dart side. So I do uh, also work maintain the Dart and Flutter library for Superbase, and you know I do the DevRel stuff, so I make it, and then I pretty much promote promote it or make example apps uh, for for people to get started with uh, Flutter and Superbase. And uh, for those who ha- don't know what Superbase is, Superbase is if you go to our website superbase.com, you'll see uh, the first uh, headline saying uh, uh, open source Firebase alternative, and basically that's what it is. Um, I'm assuming a lot of the people that are listening to the show already knows what Firebase is, but what it is, it's it's a collection of uh, two different tools to easily create uh, apps, basically uh, in a matter of um, you know minutes, uh, hours, uh, basically uh, create apps really quickly. And uh, at Superbase, we have uh, four main features. We have auth, we have a database, and then we have the real-time capability, and we have the uh, and uh, storage, and we have the functions that was only released uh, less than a month ago. So you know we have all the all the components to build a sophisticated apps, uh, and you don't have to worry about managing your own backends or uh, or anything. Yeah, that's the the big thing. Like that's why people really want to work with like Firebase. But not to mention, Google is really pushing people to actually use Firebase, right? Mm-mm. How do yeah. you like? How do you really like differentiate yourself from Firebase? I mean, because Superbase, like, it, you have this only product, which is not a bad thing, but it's like mm-hmm. nobody really knows who is Superbase, right? Right, right, right. So, so the biggest difference between Firebase and Superbase, I would say, is the database component. So, auth, storage, and functions all do something some somewhat similar stuff, but database. Uh, Firebase has their own uh, NoSQL database. They have real-time database or Firestore. Whereas Superbase, we use Postgres. So, you know, as uh, you may know what Postgres is already, but Postgres has history of uh, 30, 40 years. Uh, it's been battle-tested in many, many ways. It's powering a lot of the enterprise applications that are live these days. And what we want to do at Superbase is we don't want to create a new solutions from ground up. We want to utilize the open source tool that are already available out there, and we just want to make it accessible to people. So uh, today, Superbase should be the, the easiest way to get up and running with uh, Postgres database. Uh, all you need to do is you, um, you have to log into, um, you have to go to your Superbase website and log in using your GitHub account. And in a matter of minutes, uh, you have your own Postgres database where you can play around with. So yeah, the database feature, the database part is the biggest difference between Firebase and Superbase, uh, where you get to use Postgres and SQL, uh, which is everybody's favorite, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of curious about how that stuff actually works, right? Because with mm-hmm. Firebase, I mean, it's so abstracted from you. Uh, and now you're saying that you can actually use SQL, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it also dangerous when you use that because like Superbase, I mean, 
I, I mean, of course, uh, you guys should be having people do the right thing, right? And make sure that they're not putting themselves in, in harm's way with like injection, SQL injection. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys let people safely use SQL and have it in a way that people would like to use? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, we have uh, two mechanisms of, uh, okay, so in terms of like writing uh, information to the database, we have, we use this uh, library called Postgres. So that's REST, Postgres and REST combined together. We, uh, Postgres is a library that provides REST API on top of uh, Postgres database. And what it is, is uh, uh, we expose, we include Postgres uh, right off the bat uh, once you, uh, you know, start up your uh, Superbase project. But what it is, is it creates a bunch of uh, REST APIs to read, write, update, or delete any other information that's stored in your Postgres database safely. So you don't have to worry about uh, you know, SQL injections or, uh, you know, uh, malicious attackers uh, attacking your uh, databases or anything. Postgres takes care of all the all the heavy loading. So you just have to use, um, you just have to use, uh, you can just use Superbase and without worrying uh, too much about, you know, uh, server management or securities or that sort of stuff. And in terms of like security, um, you know, this is, Kind of the same thing with Firebase as well, but we have our own mechanism to uh, have your database be secured. So Firebase has a thing called security rules where you write, you know, which user can write or read from which part of the database. Now, Superbase has something similar. Uh, we call it role level security. And role level security is actually not a feature that Superbase invented, but it was already a feature uh, on Postgres itself. So we just, you know, again, providing a easier way for people to get started with like fully utilizing the uh, capability of Postgres. So it's, it's called row level security, is that right? Row level security, yep. Okay, I thought you said roll over security. That's why I was oh, doing sorry, some yeah. searching at the same row time. Row level no, security, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, row level security. I've never heard that before. I'm a huge proponent of, of Postgres. I love it mm-hmm. so much, but uh, maybe I should take a look at this because I am running into some issues of how do you say this, uh, of making sure that data is not kind of handed out to anybody, right? So maybe this could be something right. useful for me. Yeah, 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 certainly. Role-level security is certainly uh, exactly uh, a feature for that. So what it is, is you define who can access or who can write to which role uh, role within uh, Postgres database. So you can say, like, you know, if this person is authenticated with this user ID, then, then this person can only create uh, role with their user ID in it or something like that, you know, or this person can only view uh, the contents of this chat room if that person is like inside the chat room. Or, uh, you can do pretty sophisticated stuff with it. And we actually have a official YouTube video with my uh, buddy John explaining the uh, power of role level security. So I can share that uh, video link afterwards. Thank you, because you're going to save me some typing. As you could see, I'm trying to figure out. I thought this is pretty interesting, right? So maybe I'll have to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So maybe you guys can really say that you guys really build your whole system around Postgres, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That is the idea. So Postgres is so powerful that we don't have to do much. We just have to make it easier for people to access all those features. What do you say to people who say, hey, you already said it, right? Postgres is powerful. It's Mm -hmm. got a lot of stuff in it. But you know what? I need or I think I need that real-time aspect, right? Mm-mm-mm. I'm not going to get that from Superbase because as, as it says in the name, Firebase has a real-time database. Like why mm-hmm. should I want to use Superbase if I need that real-time aspect? What do you say to that? Actually, we do have a real-time capability. Uh, and we actually, this is how actually Superbase started out. So Superbase started out as our founders creating this real-time engine around Postgres database where you could subscribe to basically real-time changes, kind of like Firebase, you know? Uh, you could subscribe to real-time changes on the Postgres database. And eventually that became uh, Superbase. They added uh, different uh, open source tools on top of it and created the modern Superbase. But so right off the beginning, we already had real-time engine. And actually, end of last year, we added role-level security to real-time engine as well. So before that, we were not able to securely retrieve data uh, using the real-time engine. Like if you wanted to use the real-time engine, then all the data was exposed to the public. But uh, I think it was December last year or something, we added 
role-level security to real-time engines. So you can create pretty much create a private chat room or private chat app or private, you know, any kind of any kind of private real-time app using Superbase, just like just like Firebase. Real-time is already there. Okay, yeah, I, I I did know about this part, right? Because mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, that part is actually built using Elixir, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the the powerful part because uh, that's the reason I first heard about Superbase is because the real time engine. Like, I remember seeing that and I was like, "This is cool," but then the part that confused the hell out of me was like, mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait a minute, what is this? Why is this thing in Go? Why is this thing in JavaScript? What kind of what kind of Frankenstein is this? Because there's you guys. Uh, I I understand your yeah. guys' model because I talked with somebody else on the Elixir Mix podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, he really described it as like you guys try to take the best in class piece of software out there and integrate into your machine, into mm-hmm. sorry, into your ecosystem. Let's say not your machine, mm-hmm. your ecosystem. So the real time piece, you guys feel that Elixir is the the the, the best thing for that. Uh, but you, what else are you guys using also in your in your tech stack too? So you also using Go. And yeah, so uh, right? we're using Go, and uh, for storage, we we have uh, mainly we're mainly using TypeScript or JavaScript uh, to power the storage piece. But I, I think that's about it. Go, uh, TypeScript, and uh, Elixir. Yeah, but yeah, uh, as as I think it was Chase, right? I joined your podcast the other day. Yeah, as he mentioned, we just try to use um, if there's an open source tool that does you know what we want to do pretty well already like for example our auth system is a fork of uh, netlify's auth um auth system so we just we just you know fork it and use it um don't you know it's better to use um you know systems that are already out there and has been battle tested and then you know building something from the ground up you just want to you know, basically promote open source and use open source projects as much as possible. Which is also quite interesting too, because you guys mm-hmm. are, you're not like Firebase and that you're all like proprietary and everything's by yourself. Like you guys mm-hmm. basically say, hey, everything that was, because you guys, so you have a couple different things, right? You, one is that you guys do your own hosting. You just mm-hmm. pay a very small fee if you even reach that fee. I, I think there's a free plan for five yeah. projects or something. I can't remember. Now. Uh, it's uh, two projects per person, but then you can have, two organization per person so it's like four projects per person kind of but yeah we do have a free tier yeah you have the free tier which can last for i think for most projects right should i don't be, know yeah uh, like do you have an idea about what kind of what kind of scope we're looking at because the thing about firebase is like mm-hmm. it, it's easy to start mm-hmm. but you always hear that okay as soon as you start to scale then that's when your bank rolls just gone you you start seeing zeros in your account uh, yeah, that that's that's one of the scary thing about using cloud uh cloud softwares, right? Uh, or whether it's Firebase, GCP, or AWS, you get this uh, you know, surprising bill once in a while uh, because you didn't know like you know there was a spike in traffic or you kind of screwed up one of your coding and you're creating a bunch of unnecessary reads or writes or something like that. And we wanted to uh, minimize that at Superbase. So our pricing models, uh, what we try to do is we try to make it predictable. And uh, so if you go to our pricing page, you can see that we have a generous free tier, which precisely says it it includes this, this, and that. And then if you go to the paid plan, um, it'll still uh, precisely say it'll include this, this, and that. And uh, we you can always set a limit to like uh, you know you can always set a limit to if let's say you know auth uses usage exceeds this amount then I wanted to basically stop shut down instead of like just keep them going without any warnings or anything because that that has certainly happened to people so that that was one of the things that we wanted to uh, make sure that people get people are comfortable using Superbase without like worrying about their credit card bills. Yeah, but I, it's kind of interesting. But your pricing model is also kind of strange too, because you don't you only have one pricing model, and then it's then it's contact us, right? Yeah. So we recently updated the pricing model uh, a bit. So we have a free tier, and see, I haven't been on top of the most recent pricing model, honestly. But I believe we have right. So we have the free plan, and then we have the twenty five dollar per month plan, which is a pro plan, and then we have an enterprise plan. Uh, which is pretty much a uh, pay as you go, but you can certainly set limits to, um, you know, how much usage you want, uh, so that you you won't get a surprising bills. But yeah, we we 
we do have our three tiers in free, pro, enterprise, basically. Okay, and, and you guys are really trying to keep it under wraps, yeah. So that's that's good. You guys have a way, and you can say you can cap it, right? So that mm-hmm. we don't get surprises. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea. Uh, one of the first episodes I did on this podcast was with mm-hmm. somebody talking about Firebase, and mm-hmm. I really hate it with a passion because, like, I'm always doing database migrations, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. If I have, because the thing is, when you put your app out there, it's so difficult to ask people to upgrade their app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. for Android, I think there's a way that you could push an update and force people to to do it. But so, yeah. for for iOS, I don't think you have that luxury. But like, how can I handle like if I want to make a, a serious data model upgrade, where like let's say that I have like a user and they have their address and their user information together. And then let's say I want to split the address. Maybe there could be multiple addresses per, per user. Mm-mm-mm. Is there an easy way that I could do something like that? Or is it that Postgres is so separated that I never have to even think about like database migrations and handle this kind of stuff? That's a great question. Uh, and migration is a complicated topic, especially when you combine it with a uh, mobile app development. Uh, but, uh, I think one thing you can do is, so in Postgres, you have this uh, thing called Postgres functions, which is essentially, uh, you can have a business logic, uh, within your Postgres, uh, database and Superbase offers a way to easily call this Postgres function. So what I like to do is I like to allocate a certain functions that's going to act like a backend. So instead of having you know, using Firebase, you are kind of forced to have most of your logic on the front end, which is which is good, and which is why people love Firebase uh, because you know you don't they don't have to write back in code. But then you encounter this uh, migration problem with databases. Uh, but with Post, uh, with Superbase, you can have all those logic live on the database layer, so you still don't have to like write back in code using Node or anything. It'll just live in. Uh, Postgres function, and you can, um, you can, you know, always upgrade, uh, update those uh, Postgres functions uh, to whatever you want to do. So you can easily run uh, database migrations on the on behind the scenes, and you know, just swap the logic uh, within these uh, within those uh, Postgres functions, and your users wouldn't know uh, even know about it. So I think it really makes uh, makes it really easy. Um, to do data, database migrations, if, especially if you come from a Firebase world. Okay, so, I mean, because I'm just thinking, like, what would be the steps of something like that? So you're thinking, like, I would have to write a function where it would take in the, the data and then actually split it up for that user? Mm-hmm. So it sounds very similar to already what uh, Firebase has to do, except that you, have, you don't have to pay for running of the function, right? Right, 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 exactly. And if you wanted to do that with Firebase... And if you had that logic in the front end, then you would have to pretty much, uh, you know, set up cloud functions and do that, right? Which is, which is okay, which is okay, which works. But uh, I feel like that it's more of a hassle. Whereas writing uh, Superbase function or uh, Postgres function on Superbase is a lot easier, uh, at least uh, to me, it feels like. And we have a, we provide a nice interface uh, where you can, edit your Postgres function within your Superbase dashboard and everything. So I think overall, it's just a much better developer experience. Now, is there actually ways that you could test your Postgres functions? Uh, great question. So like you're thinking like creating like a staging environment or something like that, right? Uh, that's one of the things that we are we want to work on, but we don't offer any solutions like that at the moment. So the best we can provide at the moment is you can create a uh, separate project and, you know, uh, set up, um, set up all the data and Postgres function in that test environment. Then you can test it over there. And then if it works, you can migrate it to the, uh, to prod. I'm just thinking like uh, unit tests, things like that. If there's any way to do something like that. Uh, great question. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's certainly a way to, uh, do that. I think, I think the easier way to do that is just run Docker, uh, and we have an example repo on GitHub to um, do some uh, testing using Docker. Uh, like, for example, if you go to Superbase's uh, JavaScript uh, GitHub repo, you, you'll see a GitHub action automatically running tests on various uh, Postgres features. So that's, that's certainly one of the ways that you can uh, test your logic. 
Well, that's actually kind of brings me to another point. It's like another cool mm-hmm. thing that you guys have is um, we started talking about this, but actually didn't finish up the thought, which is that for as opposed to Firebase, right? Mm-hmm. You guys, everything that you guys are running is actually already available. There's basically no hidden repositories. So if you wanted to exactly. run your own Superbase, you can actually do that, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's one of the the thing that uh, I think the community loves about uh, loves uh, Superbase Four is that they're not tied to our platform. If they wanna, you know, run Superbase on their really sophisticated uh, server, they they're welcome to do so. And we even provide nice looking dashboard for your own self-hosted Superbase instance as well. And you know, you get the community support. Uh, you can ask questions on the our GitHub discussion page, and you'll get an answer pretty quickly. So. Yeah, that's another reason why people uh, love Superbase is that they're not tied to uh, a certain uh, solution. Yeah, can we talk more about uh, how easy is this? Like, if if I'm a brand new developer, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many resources for Firebase, and it's really so simple to do. I mean, the nice part about NoSQL is that you don't have to do all these turning on a database and mm-hmm. saying these are my schema fields and this is the integer, this is a whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You just throw stuff into it and then you just mm. kind of keep going on with your day mm-hmm. which i think you and i both know that that can be painful later on when you start to actually having data and you're like wait a minute i can't you know add a number plus a string this mm-hmm. doesn't 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 work right yep. so uh like how much is Superbase actually invest in the flutter and how simple is it that i can actually start using it in my projects now yeah, so uh, I say Flutter is probably the second most popular uh, libraries after JavaScript. So um, yeah, Superbase originally started out focusing on the web end, but uh, they I think it was uh, January last year that they officially launched the Dart SDK. Uh, so you know, there's many uh, Flutter apps out there that are built on top of Superbase. Um, I've built a few uh, myself and. Uh, you know, we have all the all the libraries to get started with uh, with Flutter. We have uh, auth, um, database part, real time part, storage, and uh, functions that was recently added. So, uh, yeah, you can get up and running with Flutter uh, pretty quickly, and we even provide a quick starter guide uh, for Flutter, how to get started with Superbase and Flutter. And if you go to if you Google Superbase and Flutter, it should come up. At the very top, it's called Quick Start uh, Flutter, uh, literally called that. But you can just follow that guide to get started with uh, Flutter and Superbase. It runs on web, iOS or Android. I there uh, it for the most features, it 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 should work on Windows and Mac uh, OS as well. But we are missing few features from the libraries that we use. Uh, on the auth end that some features might be limited on Windows and uh, Mac applications, but for web, iOS, and Android, it should work just fine. So if you could just go to uh, Flutter, if you Google Superbase Flutter, you should find a quick start guide. And that's the that's the easiest way to get up and running with uh, Superbase and, and Flutter. Now, basically everything I want to do, I mean, is it similar to the fact where like, I could just log into Superbase, and I could just say, okay, this is my schema, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And then this is, you know, the auth providers I want to use because they have that Firebase auth. So I'm guessing you have something similar, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like, is it, is a lot of things very similar? Like if I came from uh, Firebase and then looked at Superbase, like I would be able to kind of somehow manage like the conversion? I'd say so, I'd say so. So the auth part is really similar. You just have, you just have an auth dashboard and you can just toggle, you know, which auth provider you want to use and which one you want to, you don't want to use, so that's uh, really similar. In terms of database, you know, as you mentioned, Firebase uh, coming from NoSQL, the nature of NoSQL, it has a lot more freedom, so you don't really have to do a lot of setup other than you know just press that one button to create a Firestore instance, a real-time instance, real-time database instance. But uh, in in Postgres, obviously, you have to create schema, so you have to define a column and you have to give it a type and uh, you have to give, uh, well, first, I guess you have to create a table and then create columns on top of it. Uh, and obviously, you still have to do that in Superbase, but we do provide, so there's two ways of creating uh, tables in Superbase. One is you can actually run SQL within Superbase's dashboard. If you log into Superbase, 
and create a new project, we provide a nice looking uh, SQL editor where you, can, where you can run actual SQL on, on your Postgres database. So once you get you know comfortable with SQL, you can certainly create tables there. But if you're just getting started with uh, Supervase or Postgres, you can go to Supervase's dashboard, go to the database editor, and there you can uh, create tables and columns uh, using our GUI. So kind of like, you know, click, create table, name it, hit, uh, you know, send or save. It'll create a table and then you can create add column. You give it a name, you choose the, you choose what type it is from our dropdown menu. Um, and it's kind of it. Um, it's really simple. It's really simple to get started with. And I think uh, you mentioned a really good point earlier where, you know, Firebase has this freedom. It's really nice when you're just getting started with it, but like later on, you'll start to feel this pain and uh, you'll know that uh, having a lot of restrictions actually is a good thing when it comes to software development rather than a, you know, a bad thing. And I think it's really powerful that Postgres or super using Superbase, even beginners are kind of forced to, you know, uh, write their applications in a, in a more restricted way. Uh, and they're forced to like learn the benefits of, uh, you know, having restrictions when they write softwares. Yeah. I always find it easier to have restrictions, right? Because it's like, if, mm -hmm. if it's totally blank canvas, I'm like, oh man, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Once you start giving restrictions then I start becoming more clever. Well, this, this time usually it's a kind of clever rather than a bad kind of clever. You know what I mean by black kind of clever, right? When you're trying to write some really what you think is clever code and you end up just making it horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually the restrictions definitely help me out. Uh, and I think... Sure. Yeah, but I think that's the one thing that does make it a little bit tricky for beginners, right? Because it's like, well, integer, what's an integer? Because everybody says number, right? And number mm -hmm. can mean also decimal too. So it's that's the tricky part. How do you guys handle this kind of curve where if you're trying to bring people on who are brand new, who come from Firebase even? And they're just like, listen, I want to store stuff. Like, I, I don't care about this. This just store my stuff, right? How come Excel can work, but this doesn't work? Right. Okay. That's a that's a great question, and I don't know if I have a uh, pretty answer to that. But uh, we have various resources to help beginners get started. With uh, we have a really large uh, community with uh, you know different blog articles on how to get started with Superbase, and we of course have a bunch of official how to get started guides. Uh, if you go to superbase.com and we also have a pretty supportive community and GitHub discussion. So if you could, if you go to the Superbase repository, that's a Superbase slash Superbase, our main repository, which has, I think, over 30,000 uh, GitHub stars. I think we just passed 30,000 uh, very recently. Anyway, if you go there, uh, there's a discussion page where you can, anybody's welcome to post questions regarding uh, Superbase or Postgres or anything related to Superbase. And our Postgres experts are right there, uh, eager to answer your questions. So, you know, if you have any questions with like, what's the difference between int2 and int4 and int8 or something like that, I mean, first, it would be nice if you could do your own research, but uh, then uh, you can always come to the GitHub discussions and ask those questions and it'll get asked pretty, uh, answered pretty, pretty quickly. So I don't know, uh, for beginners, I, I think it's just, uh, it helps to just get your hands dirty. Uh, don't worry too much about it. Uh, you know, you, you won't be able to like break Superbase in any way. Just, uh, get your hands dirty with it. Don't overthink, just get started with it and, and have fun, have fun developing. So we have a couple of questions in the audience. So we do mm -hmm. this live stream. I don't know if I told you that before. No, I think you already knew that. Uh, there's something in Spanish, I think. Uh, oh, okay. I'm not able to even properly pronounce that. <laughs> We're talking about Superbase in production, but um, I wish I could reply. If it was Chinese, it'd be easier for me. Japanese is for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, but we do have another another one. Is Somebody from Superbase is asking, are these Superbase colored plants in the background real? <laughs> Oh, you caught me, you know. Uh, these plants are uh, actually fake. Uh, I killed so many real plants actually recently that I uh, felt guilty and I started going with uh, fake plants. So yeah, those are IKEA fake plants. You caught me. <laughs> that would be, it would be hard to tell uh, on a stream, but wow, 
Oh, well, when the video comes out, be very clear that you can probably see that they're fake, maybe. I don't know, I can't oh, really see either. Oh, is it that obviously <laughs> fake? Wow, okay. <laughs> well, those are made in Japan, right? So they got to be really good quality. No, I think they're uh, IKEA plans, so it might be... Where's IKEA from? Sweden, was it? I think they're probably still assembled in China or something like that. Uh, I don't right, think I'm sure. Everything's made in China these days. Yeah. Yeah, but you're actually, uh, I do want to get a little bit back to your background. I love to talk about people's huh? backgrounds because it gives people some hope that, hey, you know, I could, maybe I could do something interesting. Mm-hmm. And your background's actually really interesting because you also had the similar idea where like you said you were reviewing a website or something. And then like you looked at this and you're like, I could do this, even though you'd never programmed before. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how I got started with uh, programming was I was, I was doing an internship at a local startup in Japan. And this was when I was a senior in college, between junior and senior in college. I was doing an intern there. I was doing a bunch of writing stuff, pretty, pretty boring stuff, honestly. I was writing a bunch of articles about cars for this uh, new media that they were launching, this company was launching. And then I was looking at this uh, CMS. I don't think we were even using WordPress or anything. I, for some reason, we were using this uh, scratch-made uh, content management system, uh, paying a bunch of external companies a bunch of money. But anyway, I was looking at the system, and I, I'm the one writing articles, right? And it was just me and a few other college students write, writing articles. There, was, there weren't any you know, official professional writers or anybody. And I was thinking to myself, if I can write the articles, which I'm already doing, and if I could create this beautiful looking website by myself, then I could pretty much do this, uh, uh, this whole business all by myself. And, you know, I, I guess, uh, those that are laughing out there, I, I know that business isn't that easy. Uh, I've learned that the hard way, but, um, you know, back then very inexperienced me thought, you know, okay, this is, this should, this shouldn't be that hard. I could just do it by myself. So I went home, um, uh, I went back to college and started studying programming by myself. By the way, I don't have a computer science uh, background. I was studying mechanical engineering in college. Um, I had taken a C++, uh, barely passed it. But um, yeah, I went back home, uh, started studying about HTML, CSS, um, eventually got into JavaScript and then found out that I need to also learn something called PHP if I want to do something more sophisticated. And that's kind of how I got started with programming. Just I wanted to do more. So I learned something and then I wanted to do something more sophisticated and then I learned more and then I wanted to do even more and then I learned more. And that's kind of, I, I kind of kept on going like that. And eventually I got pretty comfortable at PHP and JavaScript and everything. And I was looking for this next big thing, you know, and Back then in Japan, Ruby on Rails was this really big thing. Like everybody was using Ruby on Rails. And I took a look and thought, uh, it's not that much different than PHP. Like uh, the way you write things, it's pretty similar. Like, I, okay, I, I don't have that much Ruby experience, so correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it didn't feel that much different. I wanted to do something more drastically different, or drastically, drastically sophisticated. And that's when I uh, found out about uh, found out about uh, Firebase. It was, it was, I think it was 2016 at Google I.O. or something. Firebase back then didn't even have cloud functions. Of course, it didn't have Firestore either. It was just real-time database auth and a few different, com- a few smaller components like dynamic links or, or uh, what are those, uh, analytics or stuff and stuff. It was just, I mean, storage was there as well. So storage, auth, and real-time database, database was their uh, main thing back then and when I first took a look at Firebase I thought how can I you know I I, coming from a PHP and a MySQL world uh, taking a look at real-time database I thought to myself you know how can anyone build an application on top of this it's this this is there's not much you can do about it just like just anything and I walked away and then you know, I still kept on hearing good things about Firebase. Firebase is going to be big. Firebase is going to come become the next, this big thing and stuff like that. So I go back and take a look, right? And I did some more digging into maybe there's something I missed in this real-time database thing and kind of, kind of kept on digging, digging, digging and didn't really find anything to it or missing like critical feature that I didn't find earlier. So I kind of walked away. But then eventually I said, you know what, if it's, if Google's telling you 
that it's it's gonna be this next big thing. Then I don't know who's smarter, me or Google. And that's how I started using Firebase. Kind of, I had doubts、uh, right at the beginning, but、uh, eventually I said, you know, it's, it's Google. Can't really go wrong with it. And and yeah, Firebase was a great product. And here at Superbase, we love Firebase. Like,、uh, if Firebase wasn't around, then Superbase wouldn't certainly been around either.、Uh, everything we do, I mean, we don't try to copy Firebase or anything, but you know,、uh, Firebase definitely set the foundation of this.、Uh, Backend as a service,、uh, kind of industry or a service. So, so yeah, Firebase is an awesome product, but、uh, Superbase we try to、uh, make it better by utilizing Postgres. Yeah, kind of ironic because you guys are trying to—I wouldn't even say replace, but definitely give an alternative, right, to Firebase.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So you guys both hate and yet want to replace it, yet don't want to leave it or something. I don't know. That's a very odd. It's like you don't know if you want to eat chicken nugget or pizza for for lunch, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't hate it.、Uh, we certainly, you know, Firebase is an awesome product, like I said. But、uh, we just wanna we just wanna give people the option to use SQL on top of Firebase. If you say, you know, people love SQL.、Uh, people have hard hard time working with NoSQL database. So if there was a If there was a Firebase with SQL, then you know people people love it, and I fell in love with it pretty quick.、Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people would as well. But what brought you? So you worked on Firebase, and and I did see over here you're working with Firebase and Polymer. Polymer was、yeah. also a Google thing, right? Yeah, it was a Google thing. They were pushing it pretty hard at one point. It's kind of it's kind of sad that it didn't take off. I like the concept of Polymer a lot. Can you actually talk about Polymer for a second? Because I think it's、yeah. kind of like a component library or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. So it's it's、uh, when Polymer was first introduced, they wanted to push this new concept called web components, which is I think still used these days, but it's it, it, in a more unknown, like a hidden way kind of thing. So、uh, Google Chrome was adding a bunch of、uh, new features called web components, where you can have you can have like a native. Uh, like a component, JavaScript component or HTML component, where, like for example, if you're writing a React app, you have this、uh, JSX with a bunch of、uh, JavaScript code as well as some、uh, HTML and CSS code to handle the UI and everything, right? And that component is uh, encapsulated, uh, meaning that you know anything, any kind of the any like for example, if you declare a variable within your、uh, JSX component that variable doesn't really conflict with any of the other variables, even though if it if if it happened to be named the same thing, and web co- web components was、uh, was this thing where they wanted to do that nati- natively within the browser. So the the idea of Polymer is kind of similar to what Superbase is doing, utilizing the tool that's already available. On there, it's just Polymer's doing that on the browser, and then Superbase is doing that on the You know, database and you know, open source real world. But、uh, yeah, back then Google Chrome was adding these bunch of features for to support web components, and Polymer was to Polymer was basically just a polyfill to support those web components for even the browsers that didn't have web components support、uh, back then, like、uh, Safari and older Chrome and、uh, Firefox and everything. But、yeah, I really loved the idea of Polymer, and I was working with Polymer in Firebase for a while. That was like my uh, go-to uh, tool, uh, just because you know it was it was Google pushing it, and Firebase took off. But Polymer didn't really; it's still around, but、uh, you know you don't really hear a lot of people talking about Polymer these days. I think it it was renamed to Lit Lit Element, and it's still around, but. Honestly, the only website that I know of that's still using Polymer is YouTube. Yeah, I do remember this, and I was actually interested in looking at it. And I do remember what you said about like you can have like these kind of internal variables that never get touched, and I thought it was interesting. But to me, it kind of lives on the ideas of kind of React components. I mean, I think pretty much if you know what a React component is, I think you can kind of relate to the same thing, like self-contained.、Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean,、uh, I, I, it's interesting that it did just drop off because it seemed like also I think Firefox was taking a look at it too. It wasn't just Google by themselves; it was actually quite a few different companies. And then one day,、yeah. it's like everybody just forgot about it. 
that's what I felt like because like even I forgot about it. I, I now that you mentioned, it, I'm like, wait a minute, what actually happened? Because like people are talking about it, it's like going to be the next big thing in the web, and then the next day it's like everybody got amnesia and just forgot about it. It's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. I think it's somewhat similar to at least for me, it was kind of similar, somewhat similar to what happened to what happened to Angular JS. So Angular JS, the Angular one came out as a JavaScript library, right? And then Angular two became a TypeScript library, and a lot of people. Uh, hated that uh, huge change that uh, basically they had to rewrite their entire application. I think some, something similar happened between Polymer 2 and Polymer 3. The the difference was uh, pretty dramatic, even though they had like this automatic migration tool. I don't think it actually worked out really nice. And a lot of people got, you know, kind of tired of migrating from Polymer 2 to Polymer, Polymer 3. And that's how I kind of... Uh, drop polymer and decided to explore something else uh, yeah well i think the other thing too that kind of hurt angular was like well i think there was a lot of questions about well, what is dart and 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 this i think that was part of the mix but not a huge part but i think the biggest part was like going from angular one to angular two or two at the time was like they were two different beasts like they had nothing similar at least when i looked at it like because i loved angular one i was like this is great I like the scope stuff. I like all this kind of stuff. It was really cool, really easy to use. And because originally I did Backbone and then I switched to to that one and then I was like, okay. And then I think or two, I'm like, wait a minute, this is like, why am I going to change? Forget about it. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm done doing JavaScript. I, I, I really hate it. <laughs> like that was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Now what, we're at Angular 5000 or something? It's like every week is <laughs> you upgrade yeah, another five. Really have no idea. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but but now uh, to me, Angular is dead. I got I got fluttered to take a look at. But uh, mm-hmm. you also you also have a pretty interesting kind of feedback on 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 uh, Flutter Web, right? Um, I think you share a similar opinion with a lot of other people that it's just not quite ready yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what what will happen in the future, but at the moment, I, I I've seen few Flutter Web websites. It seems like it has this problem of scrolling especially when you have a bunch of images in your view and you scroll it it kind of gets really slow and and uh yeah i i think web is just a whole nother world uh different from uh, ios and android and it, it has a lot of work to do and i i guess we'll see where it goes but uh at the moment it's it's really hard to how to use Flutter Web in in production? Yeah, I think going. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I was just thinking aloud to myself. I didn't want oh. to put that onto the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we did. We did invite um the, the the lead for the lead PM for Flutter Web, and she's pretty upbeat about it. And it is kind of weird that Flutter Web. I mean, Web, I think was the original target for Flutter. Right. Yeah. Before it was even Flutter, right? And yeah. it's interesting died, to see, like, right? Yeah. You see, it went yeah. back around back to web yeah. and then like one the the sad part is like i could have sworn that hot kill reload was actually working and mm. i don't know maybe i was going crazy at the time and then i asked her and she was like no no it never worked and i was like oh that's why it doesn't work for me because <laughs> it mm. never worked to begin with recently at least yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. but without that piece it's like well how do you even do anything well it's not really flutter without the hot kill reload that's like yeah. one of the pillars of flutter yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. that's, that's that's a hard thing to solve, I guess, and that kind of makes some sense. I guess I don't, I don't really know the nitty gritty part of uh, Flutter Web, but uh, yeah, it'll be exciting to see what uh, you know, uh, what kind of feature it holds. But at the moment, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one to uh, to do to to do anything on top of it. So speaking of that, like how how well is Superbase supported across the different platforms, right? Because you guys are, I mean, Flutter expands. Mm. Uh, theoretically, I think it also works on Xbox, right? So can I use my Fire, my Superbase app on uh, Xbox? <laughs> I did not know that Flutter works on Xbox, uh, but I, yeah. So we it's supposed to support. Um, ah, damn, I forgot the name of the platform, but some kind of way to. It's Microsoft something. Uh, I, you, you didn't hear about this? I, they don't really, it's it. kind of like a second right. tier, not okay, early first okay. tier. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some research on th- uh, about that. But uh, at the moment, uh, I briefly talked about this earlier, but we support web, uh, iOS, and Android fully. And then for the authentication part, so when you when you use an external uh, auth pro- OAuth provider like Google Login or your GitHub Login, 
what Flutter uh, in Superbase does is it uses a deep link to log in users and come back to the app. And that deep link portion doesn't work currently with uh, Mac OS or uh, Windows uh, Mac applications or Windows applications. So for the most part, it'll, it'll work. Like you can still make API calls and everything from Mac applications and Windows applications. But if you wanna implement like a Google Auth or something in your Mac or Windows applications, uh, at the moment, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. Uh, this is uh, restrictions uh, that we have with the underlying deep link uh, library that we use it on Flutter. Uh, sorry, Superbase Flutter. But other than that, uh, all the all the supported platforms are supported. All the platform that are supported on Flutter is supported. So you should be able to use uh, Flutter Web even. Okay, so because it's uh, sorry, I went look up on the side is uh -huh. UWP which is for Windows 10, Windows 10 Mobile, which I don't think exists anymore. Uh, Xbox One and HoloLens. So oh, okay. Hot I think this is, oh. I, I don't know if it's actually out yet, but they're experimenting with it. And uh, does this work? Would, would this actually work on uh, the Toyota system too? I, I'd say so, yeah. So um, one thing that we try to aim, at, and this goes for all the diet libraries. So on, in Superbase, we have... Five, I believe five, right? Do the no, 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 six is it? Okay, so we have a bunch of smaller libraries composing only Dart uh, code. So we have a library for authentication, we have a library for basic API rec REST API requests, and we have a real time engine. We have a storage uh, client library, and we have a functions client library. All these client libraries are Dart only libraries. So as long as you can run run Dart code. Uh, you should be able to run it. It doesn't depend on Flutter uh, at all. And then wrapping all of them up, we have a Flutter, a super-based Flutter library where um, it uses like deep links and a few other Flutter uh, features to handle, uh, to make it easier for Flutter developers to get started with uh, Superbase. But if you just want to use the underlying library that are uh, created with Dart only, you can certainly do that. And as long as you can run Dart code, it should work on you know Toyota cars or Xbox or whatever it is. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah. I mean that's so you worked on the um, you 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 were actually working still on the um, yeah the all these Dart right? libraries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so that means did you guys have to re-implement the uh, Phoenix protocol for the channels? Uh yeah 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 that was done by one of uh that was that was not done by me but uh, done by someone else on the team. But yeah, yeah. Was, Sorry, uh, let me let me let me talk about this for a second. So, uh -huh. um, because not everybody at home knows what we're talking about, so let me just kind of give some context. Uh, so, for people at home who don't know, I I am a panelist on the Elixir Mix podcast. I just want to say that out there so you guys know like kind of where I'm coming from. Um, so, the real time engine that you that Superbase created, to say you, but actually you in particular, but <laughs> Superbase itself, the company created. Mm -hmm is built upon uh, Phoenix, which is like, I would say, the Rails framework of Elixir. And they have, the big thing about Phoenix is that they have this uh, WebSocket uh, support. And so every time you join a WebSocket, you have this thing called a channel. So on one WebSocket connection, you can join as many channels as you like. And um, what makes, what, what Superbase actually did is they're actually utilizing these Phoenix channels uh, for the real-time component library. And so it is a separate protocol, right? There's a lot of PHX, um, what do you call that? Prefix kind of things like that. So it's, it's, it's not actually documented. It's not really closed source necessarily, but it's just not documented about how everything kind of works. So you have to kind of like take a look at the JavaScript library and then kind of like re reverse engineer it or just change the logic over to, to Dart. I suppose not really too difficult, but uh, in, in any case, um, yeah, that's what we're talking about is like in order to actually support that in Dart, you have to actually rewrite that because the only real implementation on the client side is the JavaScript library. But JavaScript to Dart shouldn't be too difficult to do because that's what Dart was made for is to kind of replace or have a better version of JavaScript. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Uh, honestly, I don't know a whole lot about Phoenix or uh, Elixir just because I, I don't come from my Elixir background, but I... I think we just use a plain WebSocket, if I'm not wrong, for at least for the Dart implementation. But is that what you're mentioning with the protocol? 
Or is it like yeah. something more yeah, than just so, a plain WebSocket when it comes to Phoenix channels? Well, it, you do connect over a plain WebSocket, but when you're yeah. actually passing text messages back and forth, like mm-hmm. it's like a JSON payload. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's like there's a specific format and everything. Right, um, right, right. So yeah, you, theoretically, are you? But there is a protocol that's actually going forth. Like it's like okay, because there's like a heartbeat. Make sure that you're still connected. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And you also have to say, okay, I want to join this channel, and it has to say yes or no. Because right, you maybe right, don't right. have the authority to join that channel, right? Yep, so if you go back exactly. to your, your talk about the, um, the chat messaging, Real right? Security, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm guessing it must build upon that somehow. Yeah, 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 exactly. In that part, yeah, yeah, we do have all of that in, implemented, in, implemented in our real-time uh, diet library. But yeah, that one might be the toughest one if, uh, you know, if there's uh, anybody who wants to get into open source uh, contributions, uh, you you know you're certainly welcome to you know contribute to any of these supervised library anytime you want to. But I'd say the real time one is is the toughest one to get into, uh, just because uh, you know if, if you have Phoenix background or Elixir background, maybe you can understand it uh, better better than I do. But uh, I I not gonna lie, I did struggle with uh, figuring out how that library is composed and like different components and like what exactly is sending and that sort of stuff. But, oh, you could have just yeah. asked me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a problem. <laughs> you could have asked me. I'm pretty familiar with it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you have any problem with that, go ahead and look me up. I don't mind to contribute to this because oh, yeah, I'm also be interested in... Actually, I do use uh, Phoenix channels with mm-hmm. um, with my Dart applications, or at least specifically with oh, nice, my nice. Um, Flutter ones. So Because I have a chat component too. And so uh, I built all that. And also whenever I want to shoot messages down, I do use Phoenix channels also. Mm, mm, mm. So every user joins their own channel and then I just have to just make sure I target the right channel and send the, send right. the wire down, send it down the wire. Oh, that's And nice. actually, uh, this kind of leads into another topic too, because mm. you guys are, are implementing using uh, Presence. So Presence yep. is also mm-hmm. Phoenix specific. Mm. One of the coolest uh, things that came out a long time ago, um, but that's fine. You don't have to jump onto the latest stuff because it's still quite new. So maybe this, I'll, I'll give a, since maybe you're not so familiar, I can talk a little bit about this, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, maybe let me steal limelight for a second, just to let people know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So um, what's really, really cool and what came out of the radar for me about Superbase is that they're supporting the Phoenix presence, um, I don't know what you call that, library or feature or something? Yeah, it's feature, like a feature, yeah. So what you guys don't know about this is it's actually using something called CRDT underneath, which is... Uh, basically, it was a conflict-free replicated data type. Mm. And what's cool about that is that um, if you ever become disconnected and reconnect, you can actually compare your 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 data, and it'll automatically uh, kind of sync up again. Most of this stuff is actually done using like server to server. So if you have two nodes, two servers, if you connect the two, they have and and what happens is like some some people will be on node A, some people will be on node B but they can still talk to each other. But if there's ever what they call a network partition or a disconnect between node A and node B, you're going to still keep moving on, still keep doing stuff. But once node A and node B become reconnected, we have to still kind of reconnect and say, okay, these users left, these users joined. Okay, this is what happened on your side. And then they exchange information. Then you have an updated presence. So why is it called presence? This kind of leads back to why it's called presence is that usually people use this presence library for saying who's online, who's offline. Usually who's online, rather, because they don't really have a way to say who's offline, but who's online, who's actually present. And you guys are actually starting to use this uh, very recently within the last month or two. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the main launches at our previous launch week. Uh, I think it was like end of end of March. Yeah, so there, there's going to be more exciting stuff coming up in the next launch week. But uh, yeah, keep an eye uh, for our exciting update on the on the real time real time side of things, you guys have a really really cool demo where it's like you're showing like a, a Figma esque kind of design yeah. where there's a mouse cursor there and there's a person's name there and as they're typing then the name will change to dot dot dot. This stuff is all built on Elixir and using Presence and it's like wow it's really fast really quick. And the nice part is that you guys probably didn't have to do very much work at all. I mean that was just writing all on Phoenix. I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I'd say so, uh, or maybe or one of the bat, uh, back-end developers might kill me. But uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, again, coming back to the whole idea of like utilizing the tools that are already available out there, right? Uh, so, you know, we're just using 
the powerful tools uh, without building anything from the ground up. We're just u- utilizing what's available in the community. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely true, and uh, I'm happy to hear this too. And it's it's funny because you guys are already using so much stuff from Phoenix already. And I think I talked to one of your devs, and I think the big deal was that um, people were actually using Superbase as a real time database, kind of, but for what we call ephemeral data. So like this user's at which part in the game or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, you guys are like, well, this is just kind of using up too much bandwidth or space or, or not really properly using our, our system. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. why don't we just use Phoenix presence and actually, you know, use what we should be using. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That that's, that's the exciting stuff. So I, I think you guys should really check out Superbase and see, you know, if it's good for you. For me, I mean, everything sounds good. I just haven't had a need to to use it yet. But I'm interested to check it out for something someday. Right now, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing's coming to mind at the moment for something that I would, I'd want to use it for. But yeah, I think it's uh, something that could be quite exciting. The thing, most of my projects, I think, have like background jobs and things like that that I need to kind of do a lot of crazy stuff. And I'm already using Phoenix Channel, so I feel like mm-hmm. it's not quite fit for some things. But I think if I have a smaller one, maybe I'll take a look at it and, and maybe use it. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, yeah, and now that we have functions, you can even run, you know, uh, someone that does have a uh, background task as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely go check out Superbase. Well, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm gonna be sending out like messages to okay, hitting, yeah, I guess, hitting web yeah. servers and making PDFs and things like that, that may <laughs> okay, be a little okay, bit too much not, as a yeah. base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, uh, some things like data processing could, could very well work. And mm-hmm. when you write your, your functions in Postgres, you have to use Postgres or PSQL language, right? So we have two types of functions. We have uh, Postgres functions and we do have, uh, we offer like a regular uh, function, cloud function kind of thing. We call it uh, edge functions, but it's it's powered by Dino Deploy. So we have two different kind of functions. We have uh, Postgres functions and uh, Dino deploy functions, edge functions. And Dino deploy edge functions is just a type TypeScript function uh, where you can, you know, maybe process payment. Or I think we have an example of processing payment using a Flutter applications. But basically, you can handle anything that requires a backend, like a secure place to run your secure code. And then Postgres functions is where you can write. Uh, you know, uh, server-side logic or uh, database-side logic uh, where you can, you want to make sure that uh, data concurrency uh, is uh, there or uh, something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is pretty exciting, man. Um, I think, like I said, uh, I think Superbase is doing some interesting stuff. I'm a little bit concerned about the Frankenstein amount of pieces put together. But, I mean, if it works, it works, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that you guys basically are releasing everything out open source and at the same time kind of pushing the um, your service, right? Because you guys have to make money. I mean, I'm more than happy to, I mean, 25 bucks a month to like to a relatively busy project. Now I have to manage the servers is definitely well spent in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd say so as well. And uh, yeah, basically everything's open source. So if you have any concerns or anything, you can always take a look at the actual source code. So source code, uh, and you know we we have a generous free tier. So if you wanna get started with uh, playing around with Superbase, you're always welcome to uh, you know get started with it. Yeah. So if I'm a Flutter developer mm-hmm. and you know I'm I'm struggling or I want to know more about Flutter and Superbase, maybe is it okay if I connect with you or can I connect? How can I best to get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, you can certainly connect with me. You can find me at. Uh, D S H U K E R T J R D S H U K E R T J R. That's uh, my handle for pretty much everything: Twitter, uh, GitHub, Stack Overflow. Um, you can certainly connect with me. Otherwise, if you go to the Superbase GitHub repo, we have a GitHub discussion going on. Where you can anybody's welcome to post any questions. We're also pretty active on the Twitter. So if you post any questions regarding Superbase. Uh, we should be we should be able to um answer that as well, but yeah, uh, we have yeah different channels to support the community. Great. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say before we start to sign off? 
Uh, yeah, I'll get on mine. Uh, I'd say if you if you're a Flutter developer, definitely check out the Quick Start Guide. Uh, if you Google Flutter Superbase, it should be the one at the very top. Uh, that's like uh, the go-to place if you want to get started with Flutter and Superbase. Otherwise, uh, yeah, uh, keep in touch in the GitHub discussions or Twitter or Stack Overflow, or whatever channel you you prefer. Okay, great. Yeah, definitely check it out. And if you're using it, please, if you can, uh, pay the 25 bucks a month. Let's keep this company going. And um, yeah, I think it's 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 always good to have more choices rather than just Firebase. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that you guys got this thing going. Hopefully it stays around for a while. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. Bye.